The following is from East Delta Baptist Church. For more information, visit us online at www.eastdeltabc.com. All right. Well, if you would, I'm a little stopped up this morning. Turn to Mark chapter 4. Mark chapter 4 and... I found this. The clock is my dictator. Kind of, it's the twenty-third Psalms, but it just uh, it kind of shows where we are sometimes. I, I, I started this message in late December, and I was really going to preach it. Thought about preaching it the first Sunday of the new year, and it just didn't fit. Uh, last week and the last couple of weeks, I've kind of looked at it and looked at well today. Uh, I decided, well, not today, but back last Sunday, I decided I'd preach it today. And, uh, of course, the praise team, I didn't tell them what I'm preaching on or anything. I do occasionally, but I didn't. And there are songs that, that they chose fit perfectly with, with the word today. But the 23rd Psalms, of course, says, The Lord is my shepherd, I'll not be in one. He makes me lie by green pastures. And you know that. Uh, how that goes, but someone kind of rewrote this for us today. The clock is my dictator, I shall not rest. It makes me lie down only when exhausted. It leads me into deep depression and then hounds my soul. It leads me in circles of frenzy for activity's sake. Even though I run fragrantly from task to task, I'll never get it all done. For my ideal is with me. Deadlines and my needs for approval, they drive me. They demand my performance from me beyond the limits of my schedule. They anoint my head with migraines, my in-basket overflows. And surely fatigue and time pressure shall follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the bonds of frustration forever. Sometimes we feel like that, don't we? Uh, the, the demands of today, the, the worries, the struggles, the burdens of the day, uh, they seem to take precedence in our life and... This morning, uh, what I want to talk about is what to do. What what do you do when your ship's sinking? And in our passage this morning, that's kind of what we have. We have a picture of that in John, in Mark chapter four. If you go down to verse thirty-five, so Mark chapter four down in verse thirty-five, uh, the disciples are there and uh, their their ship is sinking. And uh, I was in need of a little encouragement, and I ran across this uh, this. At, advice is from an unknown source it says don't wait for your ship to come in swim out and meet it and uh, I guess if there's a there's a lot to be said for being proactive uh, rather than sitting around feeling sorry for yourself but uh, and and getting ourselves in gear rather than just uh, watching out and hoping something changes there's a lot to be said for that and I think it's important for us to realize as Christians that God never said that because we become Christians that our lives are going to be without discomfort or without discouragement or without depression. Uh, and we need to understand that we're going to have storms in life. It doesn't matter who we are. Uh, everyone is going to experience some type of storm in their life. And for most of us, more than one. And I don't want you to be discouraged this morning, but I want you to find hope this morning in uh, the, the fourth chapter of Mark, starting in verse 35, because in those tough times, those difficult times, Jesus becomes more real to all of us. If we're born-again Christian, we're going through a tough time, we really begin to understand who Jesus is and what Jesus desires for us. And uh, so if we're, uh, if we're on a sinking ship, we feel like, God offers us 
uh, some great advice, and I think we find it here in Mark chapter 4. And in verse 35, it says, That evening, uh, or that day when evening came, he said to his disciples, Let's go over to the other side. Now, what has happened is, Jesus has been teaching, and if you go back and read uh, uh, Mark 3 and 4, he's teaching in parables, and he has a, a huge following. And if we study, this happened more than once. You know, when he, when he fed the 5,000, uh, that's when he walked on water, and he sent his disciples on the other side of the lake. And, and really what's happening here is he's got a crowd of people, and, and they're around him, and they're pushing around him, and they're, uh, they're just there clinging to him, and, and uh, he needs to get away. And, and that's why it's, it's interesting, more than one time he's told the disciples, hey, get in the boat and let's go to the other side of the lake. What does that mean? If you ever walked around a lake, I mean, even if, even if it's a pond in your pasture, you start walking around that sucker, it's a long way around it, isn't it? I mean, because there's, there's creeks that feed it and go, draws that go deeper and you get so... That's kind of what Jesus does. He says, I'm going to get away from the crowd and I'm going to go to the other side of the lake and I'm sure as people begin to understand where he's at, they begin to filter around and begin to fall around the other side of the lake. So that's what we start out with. That day, it's become, it's become evening time. He says to the disciples, let's go to the other side of the lake, leaving the crowd behind. They took him along just as he was in the boat. So he, they, Jesus gets in the boat with them. They leave the crowds. They start across the lake. In verse 37, a, a furious squall came up, and the, the waves broke over the boat that it was nearly swamped. It was sinking. And Jesus was in the stern, sleeping on a cushion. I just love that. We, we sometimes forget the humanity of Jesus Christ. When He was on this earth, He was all man. He was, he was all God, but He was all man. He, he dealt with the same struggles we are. The Bible says he, he dealt with our temptations just like we deal with our temptations. He, it says he, he, he overcame all the things that we have to deal with. So He understood us and He understands us. He's our Creator, so He's there. The waves are crashing over the boat. He's up and He's sleeping. And the disciples woke Him up and said, Teacher... Do you care if we're drowning up here? Don't you care? Don't you realize that, that my ship is sinking and I'm drowning up here? And verse 39 says, He got up, Jesus, and He rebuked the wind and said to the waves, Quiet, be still. Then the wind died down and it was completely calm. And he said to his disciples, why are you so afraid? Do you still have no faith? Verse 41 says, then uh, they were terrified and they asked each other, who is this that even the wind and the waves obey him? I want us to look at a few principles this morning about uh, how to still the storm in our life. Now, uh, I'm kind of doing this in preparation for next week. Uh, next week, we're, go- we're going to talk about hindrances to prayer. But, but let's look this morning at his example of stilling the storms of life. The first is this. I want you to notice Jesus' fatigue. As I said a while ago, we, we sometimes miss out on the fact that Jesus was all human. And, and we read here, and, and it's obvious that, 
that he was that he was tired, that he had some fatigue, and and that he had had the pressures of all these people and all these activities that were going on, and he just needed some rest. And I, I found this, and it, it may be good for some of us. In in a case your boss finds you asleep at your desk, be ready to blurt out one of these excuses. They told me at the blood bank this might happen. Uh, This is just a 15-minute power nap like they rave about in that management course you sent me to. I'm learning to work smarter, not harder. Or, whoo, I must have left the top off the whiteout. Y'all remember uh, that when we were in school, those uh, runner, those, you turn the thing and it shot the copies out and you could smell them things. Boy, didn't them smell good? (laughs) Steve shook his head. That may be why we're, we're, we were in the REM instead of advanced classes. I don't know. <clears throat> Too much sniffing the ink off the, uh, what were those called? Mimeographs, yeah. See, you young people don't know what you missed in, in, uh, when they got rid of the mimeograph machine. I wasn't sleeping. I was meditating on the mission statement and envisioning a new paradigm. Uh, this is in exchange for the six hours I lost last night when I was dreaming about work. Uh, boy, that cold medicine I took last night, it just won't wear off. I've actually heard that one several times at my office. Uh, and the, the best one is, gosh, I thought you were gone today. <laughs> uh, and that's, that's probably true, true for us also. But you know, Jesus, as we look and we see his humanity and we understand that uh, in every way he's like us, and in every way he understands us. Christ, too, became weary due to his daily travel, due to his daily works, due to the things that he worked every day. And at times, he needed rest, too. And granted, if Christ felt stress of his daily work, of his daily duties, of, of the heaviness of his burdens, how much more do we feel that? How much more is there times that, that we just need to rest, that we need to go, and, and even in the midst of maybe a storm, we, we just need to get some rest. And, and I think we see that in Christ, and uh, he, he had enough faith to understand that God is in control. Now, I want you to think about that statement. What Jesus understood was, hey, I can, I can fall asleep. I, I, can, I can lay my head on this pillow because... It's okay, God is still in control. And I think sometimes when our sink is shipping, we, uh, our, our, our ship is sinking. What did I say there? It's getting, I got a dry mouth today, but, but sometimes when the, when the ship's going down, we, we feel like we have to just press on and press on and work on and work on. When there's a time that we need to say, wait a minute, I know who's in control. And that's kind of what we see in the second part of this verse that day came, and, and they're there. Let's go over to the other side. The Left the crowd, took him alone. He was in the boat with the other boats with him. And uh, this, this storm blows up, and the waves are breaking over. And Jesus is in the stern, asleep on the cushion. And, and for us to realize that, that we know who holds tomorrow. I thought about this song my mother used to sing, and I've, I've sung it a couple of times. Listen to the words of it. You may or may not know, the, it, know, know this song. It's an old song. It says this, I don't know about tomorrow, I just live from day to day. I don't borrow from its sunshine, for its skies may turn to gray. I don't worry o'er the future, for I know what Jesus said, and today I walk beside him. 
for he knows what lies ahead. I don't know about tomorrow, it may bring poverty. But the one who feeds the sparrow is the one who stands by me. And the path that be my portion may be through the flame or flood, but his presence goes before me, and I'm covered with his blood. Many things about tomorrow I don't seem to understand, but I know who holds the future, and I know who holds my hand. You know, I think when we look at this, and we think about when, when uh, the storms of life are coming, and we look at Jesus' example of, of what he's doing within the midst of the storm, he understood who holds tomorrow. And he understood who holds us in the palm of his hand. And because of that, in the, in the midst of storm, when life gets hard and when, when the burdens get heavy and, and when these things begin to, to, to break against us, I think sometimes we need to realize that, that Christ's example was here. I know who holds tomorrow. I know what the future holds for us. I think sometimes we... Uh, we, we may hear a word like this and say, well, you're telling me just to give up and, and, and just don't worry about it. No, I'm not saying that. I'm saying there's times that, that we need to be assured of our faith. And we need to say, you know, in the midst of a storm, I need to just stop sometime and I need to rest. And, and I need to refocus and I need to do what Jesus has done. Here's the second thing. Listen to his words of, of encouragement. Now, think about the disciples. They're in the midst of the storm. They, they think they're fixing to die. They think their, their ship is fixing to sink. And I want to point this out to you this morning. Remember, a lot of these guys are sailors. So they know what they're doing. I think our problem comes sometimes is, is we're in, wherever, wherever we're at in whatever situation, we understand it. We understand the beginning, the middle, and the end. And we, we understand what, they're doing, what we're doing. And, and so when the storm comes and, and things begin to kind of fall apart, we do everything we can in our, in our own power to correct it. And, and when we look at the disciples here, they're sailors, so they would have known what to do when the storm rose up. And I can just imagine in myself that they're fighting against the wind. They're doing everything they can do. They're, they're out there struggling. Do you ever get mad? Or let me say, have you ever gotten mad and just fought against some object? Have you ever done that? I mean, just throw the wrench and kick the tire and just, you know, have you ever, I've done that before. Have you ever done it and then thought about how silly it was afterwards? I mean, you, you just take a branch, just try to break it and bend it or something. You know, just, just fighting against it. And, and to me, that's what we see in the disciples. And, and the reason I kind of find that humorous is, is I found myself doing that so often. It's just, just fighting against the wind. Even the wind. You ever try to put a tarp on something and the wind's blowing? Oh, you just get so mad at the wind and you start jerking stuff around and throwing stuff and getting mad at everybody around you and you're not holding it right and you're not doing it right and you're not pulling on it right. We do that, don't we? I mean, we just fight against things. And, and I see the disciples doing those same things. And finally, when they reached their wits end, they're at the end of the rope. What did they do? They went down and they brought this to attention of Jesus in verse 39. They went to him in verse 38 and said, Teacher, don't you care for fixing to drown? And look what he's did. His attention he gave to them. They're fighting the storm. They're going through. They're doing all these things. And as soon as they came to Jesus, as soon as they spoke his name, they had his attention. It says here, he got up immediately. 
He, he didn't lay there. He didn't explain. He, did, he, didn't, he didn't say, well, go back and do this. He got up. They got his attention. And, and look at the second thing he did in his assertion. He got up and he, 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 he corrected the problem. He, he ruled over the elements. Now, for us, uh, it's hard for us to imagine. It's hard for us to understand. But, but he simply spoke. Nothing more, nothing less. He simply spoke. One of the songs we sing this morning talked about the one who, who calms the sea is the one who calms the storm within us. He, he simply spoke a word. And as before, the, the world obeyed. But I want you to notice something. Jesus only spoke after He was spoken to. He knew their need. Surely He knew there was a storm. He wasn't unaware, but, but He was waiting for them to come to Him. He was waiting for them to, to move in faith. And how much more does He want to hear from us today? How much more does He want to hear from us now? And, and, and notice they didn't, they didn't ask Him to calm the storm. Did you notice that when we read it? They didn't say, Lord, would you come out and calm the storm? Or Lord, would you come out and speak over the winds? Or, or would you come help us? They, they simply came to Him. He already knew their need. He just wanted them to come to Him in faith. And folks, I think that's a great lesson for us. God knows our needs. He knows where we are spiritually, physically, mentally, emotionally. He knows where we are, but He desires that we come to Him in faith. And when we come to Him in faith, we can be encouraged knowing that immediately He gets up. Immediately He acts when we come to Him in faith. So, so we can learn something about His exhortation. The, the first thing we can learn here is, is He asks a, le- a lesson, and why are you so afraid? Now, for us, we can understand. I'm not much of a seaman. I, I went out and uh, we went out fishing, and Barry fed me soda crackers and ginger ale and something else, and that'll keep your stomach from getting too upset. But there was others there on the boat that weren't quite as fortunate, and uh, and uh, they were they were up chucking. If you don't know, if you know what that is, and uh, but. That's about my extent of the sea, but I could see that if you were out there, we went out and we drove through a, a little storm and the rains got a little rough and the wind was blowing and uh, we were trying to get some shelter out of the rain and uh, it didn't last but just a few minutes, but I could see if you were out there on the, uh, the middle of the sea and, and the waves began to come over the front of the boat, I could see getting pretty upset and pretty uptight and pretty, pretty nervous. So when Jesus asked his disciples... Why are you so afraid? I could understand that. And I think sometimes when we look around at our circumstances and and we begin to be afraid, I think Christ can understand that. But look what he said. He said to them, Have you not learned anything yet? Verse 40, Why are you so afraid? Do you still have no faith? I think sometimes it takes us years before we learn to depend on Christ totally. I mean, I think sometimes we go to Christ. I'm talking about myself. We go to Christ and we say, I've got this issue and I've got this problem and and I want to turn it to you. But we really don't completely trust God with it. I mean, we, we hang on to some of it and we choose fear over calmness. The Lord told His disciples, you know, why are you so afraid? What are you afraid of? Have some faith, you know, don't you have faith? And it says they were terrified and they asked each other, who is this that even the wind and the waves 
obey Him. I think when Christ came, when Jesus speaks, and when we listen, we have a complete calmness. Listen to this. In the midst of the storm, the wind's blowing, the waves are falling over the boat, the boat's about to be swamped, it's, it's beginning to sink, and, and in the midst of all that storm, listen, quiet, and be still. And there was complete calmness. Isn't that a great lesson for us? I mean, in the, in the midst of the storm, to come to the Father and say, Lord, here I am, and here's my need, and then, and then to find a lesson of, of complete calmness. That's what God desires for us. Even in the midst of the storm, for us to have an inner peace, a complete calmness of knowing, you know, we're still going. Christ is on my side, and, and He knows what tomorrow holds. When we read this, we can just use our minds to understand they had to continue to work, didn't they? Because they're in the middle of the sea. They're, they're sailors. They had to get the sails up, and they had to get the boat moving, and they had some things to go on to do. But in the midst of all that, they had a complete calmness. And I think that's a good lesson for us today, to understand that in the midst of the storm, when we cry out to Christ, He says, quiet, be still, and find calmness in me. And that lesson in faith, his lesson is, is even the wind and even the waves obey him. What does that mean? I think he was wanting us to understand. He wanted his disciples to understand. He, he, he is an omnipotent God. There's nothing that he doesn't have control over. And they understood that. They said, you know what? Even the wind and even the rains and, and all of these things, they, they obey him. And I think that lesson in faith for us is to understand this. Hey, Christ has control of all things. There's not areas of our life that we need to control and that we're going to allow Him to control. He says, hey, I, I've got control over all things. And the disciples said, even the wind and even the waves, they obey Him. So when we think about this lesson and this lesson of faith, we see taught to His disciples in Mark that Christ says, I have control of the situation. If He was using the illustration today, He might uh, compare those disciples and say, you're like a, a, a box of tea bags. You, you're not very good until there's been some hot water run through you. And, and that's why I said at the beginning, sometimes until we stand and we let go of what we're holding on to and we turn to God, we never really understand the power that God has to correct our problems. Listen, you're either coming out of a storm or you're headed into a storm or, or, or you're waiting on, but one is coming. And, and I think when we prepare ourselves... For the storms of life, we can understand that Jesus is in the midst of the storm. He's right there with us. That song I said that, you know, I, I don't know about tomorrow. I don't know what the future holds, but I know the one that walks with me. And I walk with him, and he holds my hand. Now, this morning, as we close, some of you would probably say, well, I'm doing all of those things. I, I, I'm doing what you said. I, I've prayed. I've, I've, I've asked the Lord to deliver me from the storm. And, and incidentally... There's no promise we're going to be delivered from the storm. Uh, you remember Peter when he walked on the water? While he was walking on the water, what was happening? There was still a storm there, wasn't there? He was walking in because the Bible says he saw the waves and he saw the wind and he began to doubt. God doesn't say that I'm going to take the storm away. He said, I'm going to, I'm going to help you through the storm. That's what he done for Peter. The, the Bible says when Peter started to doubt, the Lord reached out and took his hand and lifted him up and said, Peter, why did you doubt? Why did you doubt me in the midst of the storm? So I'm not saying God's going to take away from the storm, but, but He's going to help you through the storm, and you've done all these things. What are you to do next? Well, I'm going to tell you next week, 
we're going to talk about what hinders our prayers. Because we, we can go to the Word and we can find several different passages of Scripture that says, hey, if you pray and you ask the Father, I'm going to respond. But there's nine different things listed in Scripture that hinders our prayers. In other words, there's things, one, David, and I'm not going to give you all nine of them, but David said this, if I harbor sin within my heart, God does not hear my prayers. That's what David, King David said. And he was talking about the, that sin with Bathsheba. He said, if I don't confess those sins, then it, they hinder my prayers. There's, there's nine things that hinders our prayers. When we pray and say, God, I want your will to be done, Matthew says this, seek first my righteousness, and then all these other things will take place. So when we think about our prayer and we think about where we are, let's see if there's anything that's hindering our prayers, and then seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. Let's pray together. Father, I thank you for this day, and I thank you, Lord, that we see in your word that in the midst of our storm, you're simply waiting to hear from us. And Father, you respond immediately. And Father, I pray that we would know that, that so often we fail because we just don't simply trust you. Father, not that we're to stand on the bank, but that we're to move out and we're to, we're to work. But Father, we're not to work and be stressed and be, be brought down. Father, we're to get rest. We're to, we're to sleep tonight knowing that uh, I don't know what tomorrow holds, but I know who holds tomorrow. And, Father, that we would find rest and we would find comfort. And, Father, we'd be able to live without those stressful situations that so often we bring upon ourselves. Father, I pray today that we would know that you would ask us to respond to you in faith, forsaking all to trust you. Lord, I pray today that we would understand that you never leave us, you never forsake us, you never abandon us as your children. Father, that we have hope in you. Father, I pray today, Lord, that we would know that you tell us in Scripture to come to you and you hear and you respond to a prayer offered in faith that your will would be done. And Lord, I pray for those today that's in the midst of a storm. I pray today these just wouldn't be empty words. But Father, these would be true words knowing that you have a plan, that you're in control why even the wind and the waves obey you, that you're not subject to any problems, any areas that we may be struggling with, but you have this whole world in your hands. You're in control. I pray that we would learn to lean on you, that we would learn to trust you in our daily life, in our daily walk. Father, I pray this morning your spirit would move among all of us, including myself, that we would hear from you this word, that we would put this word into practice and that we would live lives full of joy, full of hope for the future. And I pray this in the name of Jesus. Would you stand with me and bow your heads and I want to ask the praise team if they would sing a song. It says this, Have thine own way, Lord, have thine own way. You're the potter and I'm the clay. Mold me and make me. Listen to this. After your will, while I'm waiting, yielded and still. And, and yielded said, Lord, I'm, I'm here waiting for you. I want you to mold me. I want, me to, I want you to make me into what you would have me to be that I can withstand the storms of life. Would you pray? Pray for yourself. Pray for those on each side of you in this place today that we would say, Lord, 
it's my prayer today, have your own way in my life. As the praise team sings.
teenagers, or if you don't remember being involved in one of those events, you've missed out on something this year. And, and that's what we're talking about today. We're talking about being involved and serving the Lord. In 20, next year, when we play this video, make sure that you've been a part of one of these ministries. And I believe if you do, God will bless you for that. Uh, this morning, as we close, uh, I don't know if any of you make New Year's resolutions or not. I don't, because uh, I just break them. But if you do, I'm going to ask you to make one. Even if you don't make them, if I'm going to ask you to make one that you'll keep this year to say, you know what, I'm resolved this year to be involved in some ministry at East Delta Baptist Church, whatever it may be. Gwendolyn's got the clothing thing. That's one of the easiest things you can be involved in. It's a blessing. It's fun to be a part of. The IF conference is coming up. That's in February. There's so many things that we have in, uh, in store. Would you make a commitment to say, you know what, I'm going to be involved in a ministry this year at East Delta. Let's stand together. Father, I thank you for this day. I, I thank you for this past year. And Father, even in the, the sorrows and the tragedies and the the things that, that that many families experienced last year and the loss of loved ones and uh, different just financial situations, so many things, Lord. I, I thank you that we can look back uh, in the year in review and we can find many blessings and we can find many things that cause us to smile. And Father, I pray that we as your body would be involved this year in the ministry of this church, whether it be getting with Jeremy and saying, hey, I'd like to make announcements one Sunday. I'd like to be a part of, of helping that, working the soundboard. Our, hey, I want, to be, I want to be part of the IF conference or the, the Harvest Festival or Vacation Bible School or I, I want to be a part of, of the clothing ministries. What, there's so many things. I, I want to start a new ministry and I, I see this need in our community and I want to be a part of, of creating an outreach. Lord, I can't come up with the ideas, but Lord, I know that you saved us and you've given us a purpose and you've given us a gift and you'll place a ministry within our heart. If it's something new we need to do, I pray, Lord, that we'd respond to that. If it's something that's already going on and, and you just want us to join and be a part of it, I pray that we'd be willing to make a commitment to you in 2017 to serve you in some capacity in East Delta Baptist Church, not for our glory, not for the pastor's glory, but, Father, for the glory of God. And, Lord, that we would see great things come from this place as we are your body to this community and even beyond. Lord, I thank you for each one that's here. I pray that you'd bless each one as we go from this place, and I pray this in the name of Jesus.